Welcome to the Terawatt Space Podcast. Uh, this is what we call an emergency episode, uh, and I have uh, the first guest of the podcast, Joe Morrison, with me. Hi, Joe. Hey, thanks for having me on. This is going to be fun. We called it an emergency episode. Why do you think we decided to call that? Well, I, there's a lot happening right now in the, in the industry, especially the Earth observation industry, where I'm really focused as a sort of niche within space. And yeah, it's, it's fun to be able to try to read the tea leaves and figure out what is going on. Because there, there's something in the news like every morning. So I, I wouldn't say it's an emergency in a bad way. It's just like, let's, let's talk it through together. And then hopefully people will find some interesting tidbits they can take away from it. Absolutely. And I think uh, for people who are wondering what those developments are, so obviously uh, a lot's going on outside the space industry as well, and especially in the financial world, called SPACs, and they've been very active in the space industry. We've had close to 10 in the space industry in the last six to eight months, and four of them have been in Earth observation. Um, I think the first to come out uh, as a SPAC in, in Earth observation was Black Sky in February, and then Spire came on in March, and in the last couple of days, there's been Satellogic and Planet. Um, so obviously, both of us are super excited uh, in terms of how the industry is progressing. And from my perspective, I'm just happy that there is so much interest and exposure to Earth observation, because three years before, when I was telling people Earth observation, they didn't understand what Earth observation was. They were just you know, focused on the space side of things and rockets and satellites, but they didn't understand Earth observation. But now it seems like, you know, you can hear Earth observation on CNBC these days. So that's, <laughs> that's good news for the industry, right, Joe? Oh, I think so. Yeah, it's, uh, it's thrilling to be on the other side of the curtain during this period, uh, working at an Earth observation company. And I see it as massive validation of the future of the industry. Um, so, yeah, I couldn't be more excited. And, and some of these companies that are going public, you know, Planet Labs, uh, I guess they just go by Planet now, they announced that they're going public via SPAC yesterday. I think it was yesterday. Time, time is kind of difficult right now because things are moving so fast. Um, that's like a, in my opinion, that's like a generational company. And the fact that, you know, after a decade of building that business, they're going public. Um, it kind of feels like maybe we're transitioning as an industry from this speculative early stage, you know, high tech thing to now like an established mature industry with publicly traded companies with real revenue. I mean, they're projecting over $100 million in revenue this year. Um, and that's kind of nuts because that that industry didn't exist in a commercial sense, really like in the United States the early 90s were the first time you were even allowed to form commercial earth observation companies. It took another decade after that to get the first operational ones in orbit. It took another op a decade after that to really move beyond just defense as, as the sole use case. Uh, and and Planet, uh, in my opinion, is one of those companies that's helped build the market, not just their business. So to see them go public and to see the reception and the attention that they're getting, um, I think it's a fantastic sort of high watermark for the industry, in my in my opinion. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I mean, the the first time I heard of Planet was I think the second or the third week I got into the space industry. So I was studying at um, ISU, the International Space University, and you know, Planet's founders. I don't know if all of them, maybe a couple of them, studied there, and you know the. 
the president of ISU was proudly saying, both Planet and Spire actually, um, have uh, alumni of ISU. And I was basically five years ago looking up, what is this Planet company? I mean, they have a really cool name, Planet Labs. So I thought they were doing something with space, both Planet and Spire. And I was just super fascinated to find out what they're doing. And, you know, five years later to find out that, you know, well, I mean, obviously they are being the poster child of the new space era, so to say. Uh, so yeah, no, to see them go public, um, you know, it comes like full circle because they were one of the first new space companies, so to say. And then them going public along with, you know, Black Sky and Satellogic and Satellogic's story is super inspiring um, as well, coming in from Argentina. And uh, so, yeah, it's, it's super interesting to see uh, what they're going to do as well after they go public. Um, okay, in terms of, obviously, you know, both of us are super excited about uh, the industry and I mean, we respect what all of these companies have done. I think together they have hundreds of satellites launched. And I think, Joe, uh, your company, Umbra, just launched your first satellite. So I'm sure you know, you know, from close quarters what it means. And, you know, to do hundreds of them uh, with each of them have done is is crazy. So, you know, incredible stuff. Um, so basically, the what we're going to do, the agenda is to quickly, you know, give you an idea of, you know, what's going on with the industry um, overall, and then to look at each of these companies, you know, what are they actually doing, so that you can kind of understand what they're doing, you know, because all of them try to advertise themselves as satellite imagery companies or software data companies, what are they actually doing? Um, and then who are they targeting? You know, what is their product? And, you know, what kind of markets are they targeting? You know, which industries, uh, and how they're going to buy? And finally, how they're making money, you know, how does their revenue model work, you know, what is their go-to-market strategy. Um, so that's kind of the quick agenda. Um, what we also like to say is, you know, quick disclaimer, you know, we're not uh, investment professionals and we're not going to, you know, provide investment advice to anyone listening. It's just basically our thoughts. Right, Joe? Yeah, I I don't own stock in any of these securities. <laughs> uh I don't personally buy individual stocks and I wouldn't recommend it. Um, but that doesn't mean that you can't enjoy the, uh, the spectacle of what's happening in the industry right now. So yeah, don't take this as investment advice. Um, and don't take it too seriously either. We're kind of going off the cuff and things are changing so fast. We're trying to make sense of it just like everybody else. But yeah, I'm excited to jump into it. Let's do it. Cool. Let's start with what these companies are actually doing. You know, obviously... You know, I, I speak to both investors and professionals outside the space industry, and they just know these companies as space companies. So they just think that they make satellites and these satellites are sent up through SpaceX. Obviously, that's the only launch provider that people know. And uh, they make money just directly. That's that's kind of what people's you know general understanding is of these companies. So let's get into, you know, the, the four that we mentioned. Maybe we can start with one or maybe, you know, they have things in common, so we can also go overall and then jump into each of them. So let's start with, you know, what these companies do. Um, you know, if you want to look at the definition of Earth observation, I recommend to go and check out the first episode of the podcast where Joe defines what is Earth observation. We talk about it for Shout half an out. hour, the fundamentals. <laughs> uh, but going into the technology of each of these companies, so what does, you know, Planet do? Let's start with Planet. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, one of the amazing things... So. I've been following this space super closely for the majority of my career. Uh, and I know more today about these companies, like two, three times as much 
today than I knew last week. And part of that is because when you go public, you have to produce all of this documentation. Um, and, and what's beautiful about it, it's not even just like SEC filings, like an S1 or something like that. They have to put together these investor decks when they go public via a SPAC that are really easy to follow, like for the layperson. And they walk through what are their financials, um, how many satellites do they have in orbit, how much data are they collecting, who are their largest customers, where do they see growth in the future. Like they just lay in it all out. This is information that you and I have been prying people for, plying people to get this information for years. And now it's just like right there in a public deck. You can go to any of their websites. There's a tab that says investors and you scroll down and there's a PDF you can download that just has the full deck. It's amazing. So. Um, yeah, starting with Planet, uh, that's probably the most exciting investor deck that I've read ever, uh, at least in terms of how it's going to affect my career in the next decade of my career. It, it's, I mean, these, these guys have, they, last year, close to $100 million in revenue, and only 22% of it came from defense and intelligence. Like that, if you're if you're following the Earth observation industry, if you go back and listen to that first episode that we did, I'm very confidently saying like everybody makes their money only from defense and intelligence, and everything else is a joke. And here's like one of the largest Earth observation companies ever. Um, and we can get into like how large they are compared to the incumbents like Maxar and Airbus later in the episode. But you know, 100 million dollars in revenue and 20 million dollars of that comes from defense and intelligence. That's amazing. I mean, that commercial market in agriculture and mapping and infrastructure, civil, like that didn't exist a decade ago. So the fact that they're at that scale already, and when you, you know, if you're doing sales for a satellite company, you know that 90% of your sales are educating them on what is satellite imagery, how can it be applied, what's a pilot project you can do. So the fact that they're already at that scale when we're this early, into the the market making process is bonkers to me like that is the most optimistic signal i've ever seen about the future of the industry so that's super exciting to me what's interesting about the way that planet positions themselves in that deck they compare themselves to like SaaS subscription companies and they highlight i think multiple times in the deck that something like 90 percent of their revenue is recurring they have a little asterisk on there <laughs> it says like Recurring means either subscription or minimum order commitments. You know, I, I don't quite know what that means. You say like, I'm, I'm at least going to spend $100,000 this year. I don't know if it's like use it or lose it. We get to book the revenue either way or how those contracts are set up. But, but they're clearly trying to say we're a subscription data business. And if you look into the future, like where they project the, the next phase of planet, they have a little um, graphic that shows like an application ecosystem as the next phase of the business. And I find that fascinating because that is in some ways a reversal from what they were saying a year or two ago when they were launching their own in-house analytics. They called them information feeds. So buildings, roads, airplanes. Now they're saying, oh no, we're going to open it up to an ecosystem, which to me is a fascinating juxtaposition against one of the other companies that went public recently, Black Sky, where Black Sky is instead saying, we're an analytics firm. First and foremost, we do custom analytics. We're a data analytics shop. We happen to have our own captive constellation that supports our data analytics, 
but we're also going to be pulling in information from other data sources, non-Earth observation data sources, other modalities within Earth observation. So there you have two companies going public around the same time that on paper might look pretty similar because they both have satellites in orbit, both capturing high-resolution imagery, and yet one is saying we're a data subscription business, the other is saying we're a data analytics business. Um, and yeah, that to me is really exciting because it's like clearly there's no consensus on what the future of the industry is and what the right business model is. Um, and both of those companies, Planet's at a larger scale, but Black Sky already has significant revenue and it's growing really fast. So, um, and a lot of that revenue is from data analytics, not from selling satellite imagery. In fact, the majority, I think it was like 17 million, I might not have the numbers exactly right, but I think it's like 17 million of their revenue came from data analytics and like 3 million came from imagery sales versus Planet where the vast majority of that revenue came from imagery sales. So anyway, it's, it's, it's kind of neat to see how these companies are positioning themselves. And then not to ramble too long, but Satellogic announced they're going public two days ago or three days ago, and they have zero dollars in revenue last year. Um, but what they're saying is we're gonna take the model that Planet had at three to five meter resolution data, where back in like 2017, 2018, they achieved what they called mission one, where they were capturing an image of every part of the landmass of the earth every single day at three to five meter resolution. Satellogic is saying, we figured out how to do that at 70 centimeter resolution, which sub-meter resolution imagery is where you can start to do pattern of life, human activity monitoring. What Satellogic says in their deck is like, the scale required for commercial applications. That's a phrase I think they use. Um, and, and they're projecting 300 satellites by 2025 in order to capture the entire Earth uh, more than once a day on average at sub-meter resolution. Um, it's just staggering to me that th these aren't like world powers launching these constellations, you know, with massive defense budgets. These are like pirates in San Francisco and Buenos Aires and, you know, Herndon, Virginia. These are just like bands of like, uh, like weird space nerds launching fleets of satellites that that other countries can't rival it's just it's just a cool time to be in this space and cool to see how these uh these businesses are are progressing and the fact that they're going public means that all that information is public means that you and i can learn from what's going on and see what they're thinking how they're thinking about how the market is changing like it's an incredible luxury uh especially after a decade of a trend where these companies have stayed private longer kept information private longer. Now they're all coming public around the same time and suddenly we see what they've been doing for the last decade and what they think the next decade is gonna look like. I think it's a great thing. Um, so I'm super excited about it. Yeah, 100%. It's, it's also a, you know, a, an industry where you know, there's a lot of focus on the technology. So you know, it's nice to see that we are discussing numbers and you know, what this technology actually means uh, commercially speaking, because, you know, obviously we all know that technologically speaking, it's amazing whatever um, all of these companies are up to. And also on, a, on the on the satellogic case, uh, they also claim that they are, they are 100 times cheaper in terms of their acquisition cost per square kilometer. So I find that fascinating. I mean, if, if that is indeed the case, you know, we've been talking about, I think the first episode we talked about uh, if satellite data is ever going to be commoditized and, you know, will... Will it become as cheap as buying a buying a house? You said, if I remember. Um, I mean, if this is the price that we're talking about, then you know, surely it can become cheaper. So hopefully, 
uh, that is going to be the case in, in a few years, um, as they claim in, in 2025. Um, I want to get back to the, you know, the, the technology side of it, because all of these companies are launching satellites, um, apart from Spire, of course, who have a multi-purpose data. You know, they do different kind of, uh, they acquire different kind of data for uh, different uh, ver verticals. But Black Sky, Satellogic and Planet essentially are based on the same technology. Is that correct? Is that fair to say that they're all you know, putting in optical sensors, uh, integrating into the, to the satellites and sending them up. Maybe different sizes, yeah, I, maybe different orbits. They would, mm -hmm. they would be upset to hear me say that they're all the same technology. <laughs> but I would say as, a, you know, at a high, high level, there's this sweet spot around 70 centimeters, like just below a meter, between 70 centimeters and one meter spatial resolution in multi-spectral data or just plain plain Jane optical data. The SkySat constellation from Planet, the Black Sky constellation, the Satellogic constellation, they're all clustered around that area of 70 centimeters to 100 centimeters. Um, there is probably, there are people a lot smarter than me that understand physics. that can explain to you why that is the sweet spot based on you know the orbital parameters, the size of the lenses, the cost of launch. There's some sort of weird magic sweet spot there. Um, I think the big question is, is 70 centimeters or one meter, is it good enough to do everything that they're all hoping you can do? Because in my experience, 30 centimeters is where you wanna be. That's, that's the highest resolution stuff that anybody puts out. Airbus, the Pleiades constellation, and um, Maxar with their Worldview constellation. Those are the only two folks that I've ever seen 30 centimeter resolution from. And you know, China's launching a million satellites every day, so maybe they've got super high res stuff at this stage. But um, the, uh, the big bet is like, can you do the analytics that everyone's excited about? Because like the volume of imagery, Planet says they're streaming down 25 terabytes every day of satellite imagery, which is just like, so hard to fathom that volume. And that's just one of the providers. So obviously humans aren't gonna look at most of this imagery. Like there's just no way, there's not enough humans on earth to look at this imagery. So obviously the value is in automatically extracting intelligence from it. So now the, the question that you have to ask yourself is what are the limitations of that 70 centimeter threshold or one meter threshold, depending on the provider? What can you get out of that that you can't get out of three to five meter resolution data that planet's already serving. Um, and what can you get out of 50 and 30 centimeter data that are much more expensive, much larger systems operated by the incumbents with more coming online with Pleiades Neo from Airbus and the Legion constellation from Maxar later this year and next year. They're gonna be competing with even higher resolution stuff from companies with much deeper pockets and much longer track records. So you gotta ask yourself like, are we going to be able to exploit this data? Who's going to do it? And it's fascinating to me to look at how some of these companies like Black Sky are thinking about vertical integration where they're gonna do all of the value extraction themselves. And some of them like Planet who flirted with that idea earlier have come to the conclusion that they're gonna open up and, and try to build an ecosystem around their data. Um, I don't know what the right model is. And, but I know that, man, we are headed towards I think I talked about it in our first podcast, the big crunch. Mm -hmm. It's even bigger than I realized. Like all this data coming down, all the value trapped in that data, who's going to unlock it? Like where are the entrepreneurs who understand the limitations of this data and how it can be applied to these various industries? It's not going to be 
vertically integrated across the board. So who are the people starting companies to unlock this data? It's it's a big open question. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. I mean, uh, to your point about the the strategy of these companies, you know, obviously Planet and I think also Satellogic, both of them decided that they're going to be on what I call the acquisition layer and they want to stay there and, you know, offer data as a service, whereas Black Sky is trying to go up. Um, the, the question that I have there is, you know, don't you need to kind of decide on a vertical or do you think, because obviously Planet said there are two, two big verticals in their deck are digital transformation and I think they call that climate transformation or sustainability transformation. So they have two big markets that they want to focus on. So, you know, you can argue that they have two different verticals to target. Um, Whereas Satellogic, I think they highlighted different use cases across different sectors. So they want to go everywhere. So that's what I call a multi-purpose data. But then you also have companies today, you know, the the five names that uh, we're talking about are not the only ones in the earth observation industry. We have an entire category of, sensors that we are missing out which you know one of which where you work at umbra you have radar data and you have companies that are going into specialized parts of the spectrum infrared or they're going all in into the different hyperspectral uh, uh, data that is you know the hyperspectral data companies and of course if you've even not even mentioned about the radio frequency you know that's another sensor coming up so all of these guys are trying to attack the same market essentially you know the trillion dollar or multi-billion dollar you know, I'm not here to comment on those numbers because <laughs> clearly I know how these numbers are prepared and I don't want to get into, you know, the specifics of which <laughs> is whose methodology is better, but they're all trying to target the same market, aren't they? So, you know, how is it going to work out in the industry? Because at the end of the day, you know, I always say, you know, I look at it as a software problem because um, I come from the software world. You are trying to solve a problem as an entrepreneur and you don't care if you use SAR or Optical or again, Planet or Cytologic or Umbra you wouldn't care essentially because you're trying to solve a problem. So with that in mind, how, you know, them going public and obviously uh, all of these data being available in the next few years, how do you think it's going to change the industry? Oh my gosh, it's going to change it indelibly. Uh, I think we're not done yet. There was a first wave of SPACs in the earth observation space, Spire, Black Sky, those folks. Now we're going through a second wave with Satellogic and Planet. I would be shocked if there aren't third and fourth and fifth waves because you're right there's a lot of great companies and they're probably looking at these SPACs and saying hey we've got zero dollars in revenue too like maybe we should go public because there's a big pot of money in search of yield and it's going to go to someone else if it doesn't go to us so um, I think we'll see more uh, and I think we'll see them from other modalities besides optical which has been the lion's share of it you know besides Spire really Um, but what does it mean for the industry? I think in the short term, it's going to look really bad. And I'm fine saying that on the record. It's gonna look like a bloodbath. All these companies are coming online at the same time to uneducated, relatively uneducated public markets that are trying to make sense up or down of of their valuation. Um, And it's weird to me that the the most obvious uh, comp in the public markets is Maxar which has you know, over a billion dollars in revenue, makes hundreds of millions of dollars per quarter on earth imagery, earth intelligence, they call it. Um, and these companies, the largest one makes $100 million per year on earth intelligence. Uh, and yet that company, Planet, is valued, the market cap is pretty close to what Maxar's market cap is. So there's, a, there, there's 
a definite disconnect there. I don't know what it means. It either means that Maxar is extremely undervalued because people just don't understand, or it means that those companies are overvalued, but I prefer to think of it at an industry-wide scale. So those themes that you mentioned, sustainability and, and you know, climate and then digital transformation, those aren't markets, those are more like secular themes. Um, and they are trillion dollar secular themes. What is the scale of the climate problem we're facing? Just think about that for the rest of my life and if I have kids, their lives, and if they have kids, their lives, how big, how valuable is tackling climate? And how big and how valuable is uh, digital transformation? You know, being able to take information about the world and make it machine readable, how big is that problem? You combine those two, satellite imagery has this totally unique role to play. There is no substitute for global daily coverage of the entire world. How else are you gonna do that? You're gonna put ground sensors all over the world? No, the only way to do it is from space. That's the only way to do it. So if you think about the scale of that problem and the fact that we know satellite imagery has to play a huge role in addressing it, then think about the, the market cap of not individual companies, but the entire sector combined. And if you look at that, it's in the tens of billions of dollars, which I feel is very undervalued compared to what it's going to deliver over the next decade, two decades, three decades. So if that's your horizon, like I'm going to commit my life to this problem or I'm going to commit my whole career to this problem, then right now is an incredible moment that you should journal about, you know, like you should write about what you're thinking and feeling at this time, which is part of the reason I'm grateful to get to talk it through with you, because we'll look back on this and be like, that was the beginning, not the end. But over the next two years and really over the next eight months, nine months, what you're going to see is a lot of commentary about how the Earth observation industry is collapsing, how it was overheated, how you know a bunch of people got fleeced. And the reason is that all these companies are going public at the same time and there's more on the way. I don't know that for sure, but I would just be shocked if people don't take advantage of this money that's just hanging out waiting to be taken. So they're going to raise a bunch of money all together at the same time. The way that investor laws work in the United States is about six months after they finally go public. So like Planet and Satellogic announced they're going public, but it'll still be a few months before they actually get listed on an exchange and you yeah, can trade their stuff. Mistaken. Yeah, by Q4. Q4. Mm -hmm. So into this year, you'll be able to trade shares, right? Grudge the people that are going to be going through that. But I'm thinking 10 years, 20 years. I'm thinking like Hopefully, if I live to be 90 years old and I look back on my life, I'm thinking about that. I'm not thinking about the next 18 months. That's, you know, we should just put our heads down and work for the next 18 months. Really, for the next five years, we should just put our heads down and work. So anyway, I say all that because it's like it's going to happen like clockwork. All these companies are going public around the same time. Their, their valuations are going to be tied to each other. What's going to be interesting to me is whether they trend in a way that that relates to their revenue or not yeah. because if it relates to revenue then yeah maxar is going to be the big dog and airbus is going to you know airbus is such a large company it might not even be correlated but maxar is the one to watch if that stock starts going up look for these other companies stock to start going up too because that's when people are going to recognize like oh this is here for the long term um so anyway uh, that i'll get off my my little spiel about that. But I, I definitely think I, I am already cringing at the takes that are going to happen in, in nine months from now when people, you know, who don't have any skin in the game are saying, like, look how stupid these guys are. Like, look how low their valuation has gone. 
Um, and I could be totally wrong. Maybe they just go up forever. Yeah. But you know, the, the, the problem is that the public markets are vicious. Like they, they give you a quarter or two and then they make a judgment about you. And there's nothing you can do to change their mind until you execute for like years on end. So anyway. Yeah, I know. And we have a lot of case studies uh, of companies that have gone through that in different industries. I wanted to get into, let's say, it's not a debate, but something that I've been wondering. Because all of these companies, you know, are trying to, well, two of them are trying to launch, uh, sell data. One of them is advertising themselves as an analytics company, like you said. And Spire is doing a bit of, you know, a bit of both. They're trying to sell data. They're trying to sell analytics. And they also have a space as a service um, revenue uh, model. So in terms of the future of Earth Observation, I've had a lot of conversations with a lot of people. Is it going to be in terms of data sales or is it going to be those entrepreneurs you're you know talking about who are trying to make sense of these data and trying to make at the end of the day software products with satellite data is there going to be you know is that how these companies become successful when you know those uh, let's say intelligence companies come in and start making use of all this data is that where you think the the future is or you think you know them just selling data they can just you know become unicorns so to say or they're already unicorns become uh more and more valued over the years yeah become decacorns or whatever the new thing we have to talk about it uh it reminds me of like a long time ago meaning like five years ago i remember the big narrative in tech was how fast can netflix become hbo and how fast can hbo become netflix that was like the big uh, you know, clever theme that people were talking about. And I think in Earth observation right now, you've got how fast can the satellite imagery companies become analytics companies? And the thing that nobody's talking about is how fast can the analytics companies become Earth observation companies? Uh, because as it gets easier and easier to like piece together your own satellites and as the cost of launch comes down, I wonder how many big companies won't just maintain their own constellation and you'll have these service providers will do it for you where they'll put together the satellite launch it for you operate it for you and then you'll have your own captive constellation to fund your analytics Um, i think that's a big open question and one of the things that i'm confused by is why are all the satellite companies going public and none of the analytics companies are because there are a lot of late stage venture funded analytics companies um descartes labs orbital insight kairos there's a ton of them Razatech, like in Europe, in the United States, globally, there's a bunch of these companies that focus on that. Why aren't they spacking? You know, your question about which is the right model, who knows? I, I know my preference is for an ecosystem of entrepreneurs to arrive and tackle the problem. That's how efficient markets get built. That's how we get massive penetration across many markets. And I am a big believer that no one analytics team at one of these satellite companies can boil the ocean. They're never going to be as good at the thing they're doing as a startup who only does that thing and doesn't have a bunch of other projects that they're distracted by. And I know this because I used to work at a consulting company, Azavia, where we were doing a bunch of project-based work and we did fantastic work, uh, but any one of our projects, if it competed with a startup that only did that thing all day long, every day, even if the engineers you know, weren't as experienced, even if you know, the, the company didn't have as much revenue as we did or whatever the factors were, they tended to do a better job with distribution. And it's, it's not just like, people always think about technically can it be done? 
You could build the best algorithm on earth that does exactly what you say it's going to do, but if you don't have distribution, who cares? You have to explain it to people. You have to pitch it to them in a way where they can figure out how to integrate it with the rest of the stuff they're already doing. And for the most part, they don't want your analytic. They want a tool that solves their problem. And, and really, they don't even want a tool that solves their problem. They just want you to solve their problem. That all takes time and effort and focus. So I would say that there will be a massive ecosystem of entrepreneurs. We need more. And I do appreciate the companies like Satellogic that are saying, we're just a data provider. We're going to partner for all the analytics. I think that's great. Um, and I think you'll see more and more businesses doing that. I think the way Planet positioned themselves in their deck is a sign that that's kind of the future because they, they've brought some analytics in-house, but that's really not, at least from my reading, that's really not how they were positioning themselves when they were doing their investor deck. So, um, And of course, I'm totally biased. So you have to take this all with a grain of salt because I work at a company that is taking that approach to building our business. So um, yeah, I have a... You know, there's a, I have a vested interest in that being the right answer. But at the same time, I do want to give a shout out because, you know, folks like, I, I think of Black Sky like a totally differentiated uh, Descartes or Orbital, you know, 100%. where they're an analytics firm that launched their own satellites. And I would not be surprised as Descartes and Orbital continue to grow and mature in their business, I wouldn't be surprised if they start to launch some of their own assets. Like, I know that sounds kind of crazy. But it's, it's not a stretch to me to say, if you have that expertise, that analytical expertise, and, and you're negotiating for these expensive contracts and crazy uh, licensing schemes that are super prohibitive and revenue share agreements and all that, you go, well, what if we just raise like $100 million and do it ourselves? Because right now we probably could. I mean, that's, that's an option on the table for these companies. So I think you'll see that even the analytics companies that have their own constellations, Put another way, even the satellite companies that have their own analytics teams, they'll start to use data from what you would think of as competitors to combine with their data and fill out their algorithms because that's just the most efficient way to solve the problem. So I don't know that there's like a really clear one is better than the other. I think you'll see both models work. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm, I'm going back to your um, you know point about data becoming a commodity and a lot of companies, you know, create an ecosystem and it's kind of you know the the parallel that we have in history to look back is the app store and you know apple did create a few early apps uh but then you know the ubers and the and the lifts and the tinders of the world only came later when you opened up the ecosystem you know to the public and you know i, I think it's going to be the same case with earth observation we just need to work on you know standardizing the business model which i'm guessing you guys are working on and you know standardizing the data sets which i'm sure a lot of geospatial engineers are working on um i wanted to get 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 back to the market side of things so if you were to name a few interesting markets where, which one do you think because you know i wrote i wrote a recent blog where i said you know everything is becoming verticalized meaning there are companies that are focusing on just you know uh, agriculture uh, companies that are just focusing on wildfires even though it's uh, as a market and then there are companies that are focusing on climate uh, like Climacell which, who are launching their own constellation which also is a very interesting trend um, companies starting to launch their own constellations you know them being uh, exhibit A which are the interesting markets for you because clearly these decks highlight you know all different markets that you can imagine with multi-billion dollar TAM I mean we're not here to comment on if that TAM makes sense is it realistic or not but where do you think uh, the biggest, you know, let's say the value of Earth observation is commercially speaking, because I'm sure that, you know, the scientific community is like Earth observation data is useful for everything, which is true. But then commercially speaking, 
which ones do you think make sense? Yeah, every time you say we're not here to comment on whether that TAM is realistic, you're very much commenting <laughs> on whether that TAM is real. I love it. Um, the One of the things I took from the Planet deck is they said 600 plus customers and $100 million in revenue. And if you divide 600 into 100 million, like it's an average account value over $100,000. Uh, that tells me that we're you know, only the highest, highest large enterprise top end of the market is buying substantive amounts of satellite imagery in the commercial market, which is partially maybe why I had missed this. Um, and I'm happy to go on record and say I was wrong. I am shocked by Planet's commercial revenue, just absolutely flabbergasted by it and impressed by it. And again, it's the thing that most excites me about all these public filings is how much money they're making apart from defense and intelligence. Because if you talk to the defense and intelligence crowd, that's exactly what they want. They want to be a minority of the revenue of these companies. They want resilient, dependable, you know, cockroaches that are not going to die if they withdraw a contract like happened in 2012 when they went with Digital Globe and then forced a merger between the, the duopoly in the United States. Well, it, it happened a couple of days ago with uh, Microsoft, you know, the JRI contract, oh, billion the billion dollar contract, contract was withdrawn and, you know, Microsoft is not dead. but. You know, we both thought that Earth Observation was like that. You know, one day, you know, whenever that day happens, if it ever, DOD says, thank you guys, we're going to launch our own constellation. And, you know, some of these companies would have been dead. But clearly, based on these decks, they do have other customers that they can depend on. So, you know, that's great to know as an industry. It's great news. However, $100,000 average annual contract value for your customers. I mean, when was the last time you spent $100,000 on something like that's a big company that's doing that. So that to me says that the long tail, which is where I see all the value for satellite imagery, most of it, the vast majority of the value is in the long tail of the distribution. That's a very jargony way of saying there are a few customers that can pay $100,000 a year. There are millions of customers that can pay $100 a year. And the long tail adds up to a much bigger number than the fat end of the distribution. And so the thing that's exciting to me is not one market like ag or like um, infrastructure or you know civil engineering, whatever the whatever the things that were highlighted, energy and gas, you know, oil pipelines. I'm not excited by any of those industries because that's still in the fat part of the distribution. They're just going after the global 3,000, you know, the Fortune 500, the largest companies on earth. Um, what's interesting to me is the long tail of distribution, and what's cool about those use cases is that they're typically mind-boggling. It's like one person on earth or one company on earth is willing to pay a lot of money to get an answer to this very specific problem that affects them and is strategic to them. And almost no one else cares about it. Like they want to know the size of the piles outside of certain farmhouses in a certain region of France, because when those piles get big, that means that supply is about to spike, which means that they can position their cash reserves to take advantage of that. It's like, who else cares about those piles of, of like farming material outside of these structures in France? Almost no one, but that doesn't matter. And that's where I think Satellogic has an interesting pitch to say, we're not going to sell um, you know, guaranteed minimum order contract subscription stuff. We can just provide this base layer that updates every single day and try to build out that long tail of use cases where everybody's using it for different things. Now, the, the risk with that 
is that it's actually way harder to exploit satellite imagery than we often give it credit. And I do not think that people are going to easily be able to self-service. So I think the answer is somewhere in the middle where you have startups that cannibalize certain applications that are big enough to be a niche to support a company, but still smaller than those like fat tail uh, use cases, larger than the individual use cases. And that's where the next phase of the business growth is gonna come from, are five, 10, 15 person startups figuring out, oh my gosh, I can revolutionize this weird little niche industry by using satellite intelligence to do better decision-making in this space. And it'll be 20 or 30 years. I mean, that sounds crazy to think on that timeline, but I really think it'll be 20 or 30 years before people make artificial intelligence sophisticated enough to make it to where you can, as an individual layperson, exploit the data and the whole archive of the data to answer whatever question you have. We're still way off from that. Like most of the most advanced machine learning models, they're doing very basic stuff. Stuff that a human, if you showed them a flashcard, could make a snap judgment in less than a second on. Is this present or not? You know, what's the shape of this object? You can immediately see that when you look at it. That's the state of deep learning today. It's not at the phase where it says like, you know, what's the yield on this farm gonna be? You know, that's still a really difficult problem to solve and requires like a ton of technical expertise to be able to do from scratch. So it's not something that you're gonna self-service do as a farmer in a rural area, um, trying to figure out what your yield is gonna be from some satellogic data set. So anyway, that, that, that's a kind of a dodge to your question, but there is no one market that's exciting. It's all the weird use cases people have that are super valuable to them and almost no one else that get me really excited. Cool, let's touch on a couple of topics before we end this rant, so to say. <laughs> it's not been a planned <laughs> episode so far. One thing before we go to the last bit, uh, which is about the communication regarding the specs, um, which you know, which we have things to say about, is predictions. I wanted to hear at least one prediction. I mean, if you don't want to, because you know you are employed in a company, feel free. But I have one prediction. Maybe you can comment on it, or you can have another prediction. One prediction that I have is in a few years' time. I don't know, three years, four, five years. There's going to be consolidation well there's going to be consolidation in the next few years but then there in three four five years there's going to be a company at least for me that's going to be the company that's providing earth observation data and it can provide optical data it can provide SAR data it can provide high resolution it can provide very high resolution uh, or it can provide uh, radio or it can provide infrared there's going to be one or let's say two or three like the amazon google and microsoft's of the world you know, there's going to be three big companies like that in Earth observation with, with let's say, the funding coming in. I, I'm guessing that, you know, they, they have the funds to go ahead and acquire because at the end of the day, they're all trying to solve a problem. And if they find a problem that they're ready to solve, they would know that they're missing some types of data and the data that they have is probably not enough. And if it's SAR, you know, you may need some data for training. So you go ahead and, you know, use optical data for it. So, you know, it gives you and it's the other way around as well. If you have clouds, you know, these companies, we haven't even mentioned that in the technology, but yeah, needs to be aware that they're all optical companies, the three of them. And if you have cloudy days, unless you develop algorithms that can, let's say, see something through the clouds, which I've seen a few research papers on, it's still going to be useless data. But going back to predictions, that's one of the predictions that I have is shamelessly, I can say that there's going to be two or three big giants of EO um, serving Earth observation data. And the you know the customer can figure out what type of data 
they want and can use it. So that's kind of how I see the future going. What's your prediction? Or, you know, if you want to comment on my prediction as well. Yeah. First of all, respect for going on the record with a falsifiable prediction. I love it. Like, you're either right or wrong. <laughs> and we won't find out for a while. Um, I think you're wrong. And, uh, but I have no idea if I'm right either. So you're just as likely to be right as I am. But I think you're right that there will be consolidation, that there will be fewer earth observation companies, at least publicly traded ones, um, in five years than there are today. But I think you're wrong that they will consolidate into one entity focused on earth observation. And I'm basing that off of the history of remote sensing companies. So to my knowledge, the most successful exit ever was Climate Corporation, which went to Monsanto for just shy of a billion dollars. That was a remote sensing earth observation. Um, there was also in the satellite imagery world, the most successful exit was Skybox to Google, which became Terabella, which then got sold to Planet, which just spacked <laughs> and calls that constellation Skysat. So it's a small world. Anyway, think about that. Monsanto and Google are the acquirers for the best transactions in the history of remote sensing. I think that's what it's going to look like. It's not going to be earth observation companies making these acquisitions. It's going to be Microsoft, Facebook. It's going to be fang companies that snap these companies up because maybe Apple wants to compete with Apple Maps and dominate Google Maps. So they buy one of these high resolution companies like Satellogic just to be able to have the best base map. Those companies are so large, Amazon, Facebook, um, Apple. They're so big, like multi-trillion dollar companies, that an incremental problem for them is a like tens of billions of dollar uh, value. So they can acquire a company for $10 billion to solve their $100 billion problem, dollar problem that is a fraction. Of, it's just like they don't even have to report on it because it's such a small fraction of their valuation. So I think these companies are going to get bought by tech companies, frankly. And I think historically what you would have seen is these companies getting bought by defense contractors, the Raytheons and BAEs of the world, um, the Northrop Grumman's. That, that's where they most naturally would have been in the past. But I think in the future, it's companies like, you know, I've been humbled by this whole thing. Five years ago, I would have seen this happening and said, this is a bubble. It's going to pop. This is stupid. This is a bad thing. But I also was somebody that when Snapchat went public, looked at their S1 filing and thought, this is a joke. Like this company is a fraudulent company and look how well they've done. They've done insanely well. They figured out how to monetize insanely well. They're now building out a whole mapping infrastructure as well. Facebook, Instagram, like all these products, Twitter, Clubhouse, like every new thing that comes out, they all copy each other. But the thing is that they're so large and so successful at monetizing attention that for them, deeper, experiences on their platform, like look at what Snapchat's doing with artificial reality, it might be worth it to them to buy a satellite company for multiple billions of dollars just to differentiate themselves against those other competitors in the consumer technology space. So my prediction would be that you see these companies get acquired by non-traditional acquirers that aren't in the earth observation space. And rather than be left with like one big behemoth that does a bunch of different types of satellite imagery, what you actually get is a sort of um, situation where it's it's used as an internal tool. And then like the way that Facebook did with Mapillary, 
instead of trying to monetize it, they just give it away. Like it's just openly licensed data given away. I could see that happening in satellite imagery where it's so important to the world, like planet's data set, the three to five meter daily data set, everybody, including planet believes it should be available to the world. They wanna give it away to the world, but they've spent hundreds of millions of dollars to build it. And they have to recoup that. They had investors that they made promises to. So you see deals like the NICFI deal that they did where there's an open climate license for some of their data. I think you're gonna see companies get bought and then their data just given away. And I think that will be the best thing for catalyzing that entrepreneurial ecosystem we talked about where if this data is free and accessible because it's just like exhaust that comes off of some very valuable specific application for a big tech company, then the Microsofts of the world, the Amazons of the world, the Googles of the world that make money on their cloud infrastructure are incentivized to make that easy for you to access because they make the money on egress and transactions and things that are happening on their platforms. So they can still make money even giving the data away. That would be, that would be my prediction is that you don't actually see giant earth observation companies. You see them get folded into these existing giant tech companies. All right, sounds good. Before we end the episode, I think it's it's probably nice to spend a couple of minutes um, highlighting the importance of communicating whatever we talked about and, you know, the communicating what's going on in the industry and, you know, how it's represented to the general audience and the public. Clearly, we are not, you know, we are not trying to oversell because, you know, if you look at these images and the kind of insights they provide, they sell themselves, you know, you don't need to oversell them. Do you have a quick word about it? I know you tweeted about it uh, and we're not, you know, you were not very happy about how this has been represented in the public world. Um, what do you think we need to do as a community? And, you know, do you have anything to say to, let's say, the investor community as well? Yeah, I, I had kind of a knee-jerk reaction yesterday on Twitter. I, I watched a video <clears throat> where the sponsor, so... The special purpose acquisition company, I think, SPAC, uh, the way it works is you have this publicly traded blank check company that has a bunch of money and they merge with a target. So in this case, there's a there's a SPAC that is merging with Planet and that SPAC has its own CEO, I think they call it, but basically the, the financier in charge of the transaction, the sponsor. So the sponsor went on CNBC with Will Marshall, the chief executive officer of Planet, and the first half of the interview was Will talking about Planet. And the thing is, like, I don't know Will very well. I've met him like once or twice in an elevator kind of thing. But I've followed him very closely, along with Robbie and the other co-founders. These are some of the smartest people on Earth. I mean, they are absurdly ambitious. They are ruthlessly focused. They are incredibly calculated, incredibly precise. When they talk about their company, they're very specifically choosing their words to talk about their company. And they're thinking about the industry as a whole. They're thinking about themselves as evangelists for the earth observation industry. They're not just thinking of themselves as executives at this particular firm. So that was the first half of the interview, which I was stoked on because it, like you said, it's cable TV. Our industry has made it like the, the CEO of Planet is on CNBC talking about the earth observation industry, talking about going public. And then the second half of the interview was the sponsor, the financier. And that guy just started talking. Like he just started saying things, making claims. At one point, um, he made a claim that uh, they were 30 times larger in terms of revenue than the next closest customer, which is just like, I'm sure I'm sure when they prepped, they said we're 30 times larger than the next closest uh, competitor that has spacked in the last six months. Or you know, they had some caveat on that. 
Because it's just verifiably false that they're 30 times larger. He called them the 800-pound gorilla in the room. They're minuscule compared to Maxar or Airbus. So, like, that's just wrong. And it, it upsets me when a company is going public and we're in the public eye, and the founders, the team working on it at Satellogic, at Black Sky, at, at Planet, they've spent years of their life and they're often people from a very technical background who figured out how to build and launch these things before they became executives figuring out how to monetize them. They're so invested in it. And then the moment in the limelight, you have some guy walk in who doesn't understand what he's talking about, just spewing, trying to make them like inflating their what they've accomplished when you don't have to put any mustard on it. You know, like it's already amazing. You do not have to soup it up. So my challenge would be to the operators of these SPACs, the the financial element of going public, you're also now a representative of this industry. So it's incumbent upon you to understand that the language you use to describe us and to describe your firms that you're sponsoring, how they're differentiated from other firms, you have to be precise in the way you do that, not only because you're lying, probably by accident, but you're lying to uneducated retail investors who are considering making investments in these companies, but also because you're making us look like a joke. Like we have put so much effort into actually delivering. And if you look at these decks, to your point, Erevin, they're filled with imagery that's just amazing looking. It's like amazing these companies can can capture this level, this quality of data. You don't have to put any extra mustard on it. So my, my thing I got upset by was that here's our moment that we should be basking in. And really it showed on tell and then you have these people who are just waltzing into the space for the first time in their lives, who are supposed to have been doing months and months of diligence to deeply understand these companies, just stumbling over themselves to, to quote facts and figures that are obviously wrong to anybody that's paying attention. So anyway, I would just say like, uh, that's, that's something where I do not fault the executives at these companies. I still respect and admire them so much. And when I've seen them talk and seen them quoted, they're always super precise in their language. It's the sponsors that are sloppy. So step your game up because like this is a very important industry with a very exciting long-term potential. Don't mess it up on the one yard line. That would be my challenge to them. 100%. All right, so let's uh, end this rant and um <laughs> and i think we have you know let's say touched upon different topics and you know i think we gave our opinions about the specs and obviously you know overall it's a very exciting industry to be working in and seeing these kind of companies who you know let's say revolutionized uh, collecting data about the earth so seeing them go public and do so well is great and hopefully we will start making insights out of them and you know start generating our own SaaS like companies within the earth observation industry because that's kind of where the future is going to lie any last words, Joe, before well, we end? Yeah, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for having me on. Thank you for running this podcast. Thank you for being a resource that I can point people to when they get excited about what we're doing and want to learn more about the industry. Um, it's a huge service that you're doing. Uh, there's you and a couple other podcasts. The Mapscaping podcast is one that I, I recorded an episode with recently where I just feel like your hearts are in the right place. You just want to educate people and find the truth and figure out what's going on and share that with the world. So thank you for, yeah, scrambling, putting together an emergency episode. I can't wait for this to come out and share it. I think people are going to really enjoy it. So uh, I just can't uh, say thanks enough for having me on. Hey, this is Arvind again. Thanks for listening. If you like this episode, 
please subscribe to the Tarawat Space podcast on your favorite podcasting platform. Also feel free to sign up for my newsletter, Tarawatch on Substack. That is tarawatch.substack.com where I attempt to decode the recent developments in space tech and its impact on Earth. Thanks again and hope to see you for the next episode.